I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Thank you very much for downloading Ultimate Couch Fans. I'm Christian O'Connell. My co-host, Brian Lacey, isn't with me in the studio right now. Uh, you're listening to episode five on today's show. It's an international one. Going to be crossing live to Brian, uh, who is working out in Turkey this week, or so he says. And then we cross live to Washington, D.C. One of my favourite MMA writers and talkers is Luke Thomas. He's going to be joining us uh, on today's show. So, and we've got the best ever Samster, the real Karate Kid rant as well on the show. But right now we go to Turkey, where Brian should be. Brian, can you hear my voice? Well, I'm here now, mate. I'm here, and it's all good. It's all great. And the thing you know is, everyone, of course, when they go to a hotel, you know, you can use the landline to do stuff like this. Not Brian. Apparently, in his room, the landline doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, the only place the landlines don't work are YMCA's. I just hope you're in the top bunk, okay? <laughs> no expense spared at ACB, my friend. No all right, then let's crack on with today's show. So before we talk about UFC Glasgow, and I have to eat some humble pie and uh, Bellator, and then we look ahead to this weekend, UFC Long Island, uh, some Brilliant questions we've had this week. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who uh, has been asking these great questions. Let's get into these. First one comes on Twitter from James Gibson. Um, do you think Joe Rogan should be commentating the Mayweather-McGregor fight? Well, they've announced, haven't they, that whoever the fight team is now for HBO is uh, Mauro Ranello and uh, Paul Maglianagi, who will be coming on the show next couple of weeks, both of them. Um, uh, but I think, what do you think about this, Brian? I think it'd be really good if there was an alternative commentary from an MMA perspective with Joe Rogan. That'd be amazing. Absolutely. As long as it didn't turn into a, uh, a stone fight companion with Eddie Bravo, I think it would, it would be amazing. His, uh, the way he sees a fight and the way he commentates on fights, especially, um, yeah, especially with the angle that he's got on this one, that'd be, that'd be awesome just to get Joe Rogan and... Uh, and one another, maybe maybe even you John Anik or something like that, maybe get a, a, a UFC team to commentate alongside. Well, I think because this is such a, it's more of an, it's, it's an event just as much as it is a fight, so I think it's got different rules. I think it'd be great if there was an alternative commentary for us MMA fans, um, we could flick between them, like do a round either way, you know, like a red button, flick between the two, where they actually reunited Rogan with, uh, with Goldberg just for this one-off fight. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. Uh, it would be, be great. It would be really good if they did more towards the MMA fans. I think throughout this media tour that they've just had these four weeks, these four days, uh, you've seen the MMA fans. Like When we were in London, there was a lot more MMA fans than boxing fans. Same with Toronto, same with New York, same with LA. I think they need to do a little, maybe curb a little bit more of the promotion, the production towards us, and something like that. That is an awesome idea. I'd, I'd definitely... I'd watch it with both on, and it'd be interesting to see. Uh, but watch one with one, and one with yeah, because you wouldn't be able to do both on, would you, idiot? I mean, you obviously, clearly have been at those Turkish delights out there. <laughs> I'd watch it with. I'd have one headphone or one commentary team, or another headphone, the other one, and then I'd be watching it. <laughs> but now I think having the choice, you know, I think having the choice because. Paul uh, Maglianagi and uh, Moro are brilliant. They are the best uh, fight commentators and analysts in the game. I just think it'd be nice to have some choice for the MMA fans to be able to flick. Like you say, Joe Rogan and Goldberg would give a completely different commentary, and I'd really like to hear that, what they were seeing, especially because I know it's a boxing fight, but I'd still like... Rogan knows combat, you know, and so does Goldberg. I still think I'd love to hear that. Yeah, definitely. And I just think do, do a bit more for these MMA fans because... 
because they they've made those press conferences. So uh, I think if they recognise that, do something like this, that would be an awesome, awesome thing to do. Uh, this comes from Shay Marmon, who emailed us, uh, oc at ultimatecouchfans.com. Great third podcast, boys, apart from uh, you saying that Tyson was the best ever heavyweight. I'll leave that for another day. I feel really bad, actually. I feel like I rushed into that. I completely missed Joe Louis or Muhammad Ali or Jack Johnson. But he's, he's happy to leave it for another day. His question's related to the big fight. <laughs> His question's actually related to the big fight. Do you think the Buffer brothers will be announcing the fight? Could they do a fighter each? A bit like Michael Buffer and Jimmy Lennon did for the uh, Lennox-Lewis-Tyson fight. That's a really good idea. Do you imagine having both the Buffer right. brothers? Getting double buffered on one night, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be uh, uh, something for the, the memory books. They did actually talk about this on a, a little Twitter campaign when this fight was first signed, saying get Bruce Buffer to introduce uh, uh, Conor McGregor and his brother to introduce Floyd Mayweather and just make that moment. Yet again, a little nod towards MMA and, uh, and boxing, but the, the buffers, the, both the buffers. Wouldn't that be great? Voices, and it was, I reckon that. I reckon there'd be a bit of competition in there because I, I actually do think, I think, let's get ready to rumble is obviously iconic. It's obviously special. But I think Bruce Buffer has, uh, has, has pushed past his brother with, uh, with, with what he does with the UFC. I actually rate him more as a ring announcer than, I do. Uh, than, than Michael. Do you know what? Do you know why? Because of the Buffer 180. You know where he's using his cards uh, and he's pointing at one fighter and he, he does. It's called the Buffer 180 and he flips through to the other the other uh, corner. It's we need the Buffer 180. But do you know do you know the story about Bruce and, and Michael not even being aware that they were half brothers until they're in their 30s and 40s? I, I heard something, but this again I only heard it recently. But I don't know the full story. Apparently they uh, they only figured out that yeah they they came together when they, when they were younger. But now the journey they've been on. Uh, Michael is managed by Bruce. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, genuinely, have a look on thing. Google the story, right, of how um, they, they, they weren't even aware of each other being half-brothers until uh, I think it was Bruce was in his 30s and Michael in his 40s. And Michael Buffer, who obviously is a very, very famous boxing commentator, just kept thinking, you don't see the name Buffer very often, and it's a guy who does <laughs> my job. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, but I, 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 do you know what I think? What it's, a I know it's, it's an amazing story. Okay, some other questions. Um, still on the the, the big question. So everyone wants to talk about is Mayweather and McGregor. I think also off the back of the press conference, it's, it's back in our minds now. Uh, do you think Floyd versus Connor should be classed as a proper fight or an exhibition, um, and it not count? No, I think Dana got asked this in a press conference last week, didn't he? And so, uh, sort of Floyd as well. He's saying, no, it's a legit fight. I think that's only fair, don't you? It's totally a fight, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it is it is combat, hand-to-hand combat, and they're going in there, going to knock, try and knock each other's heads off. It's not like, it, it won't be like an exhibition fight. If you've seen other exhibition ones, there's, um, there's a little bit of give, a little bit of fun, all that sort of thing. But this is this is genuine. And, and anyone underestimating Connor as a martial artist or as, as, uh, as a striker will be rudely awakened, I think, um, uh, when they, if they go back and watch some of his fights before that. This is, this is, this is a dangerous fight for Floyd Mayweather to have taken. So, um, uh, yeah, with that, 100% they should go on his record. One more email. This is great. So, uh, last week, we tried to give away some prizes. And do you remember you were struggling over the name Connor Jewis? <laughs> yes. Anyway, he sent me this amazing email. So Brian is obviously, he, Brian's owned by the Russians, uh, like Trump, and uh, he works for ACB, and Brian was offering off tickets to go to a show or a pair of gloves signed by Frank Mir. Listen to this email, mate. It's, it's about two pages long. I'll edit it down. Good afternoon. It begins like this, first of all. Good afternoon. My name is Connor Jewis. <laughs> I downloaded the podcast and heard that you chose me to win tickets to the event on July the 22nd or a pair of gloves signed by Frank Mir. Unfortunately, I'm not free on the 22nd to go and see the fight. And he starts telling me then about his, uh, his grandmother coming over from another country. and He, he can't miss that. And, and then he goes on to say he's new to watching the sport and uh, he'd honestly not heard of Frank Mir until he was mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> Therefore, he wants to donate his signed gloves to the Samster, the real karate kid. How nice is that? Oh, my goodness. What a dude. That's amazing. So if you can get, when well, next time you see Uncle Frank, if you can get him to sign one to the real karate kid, the Samster, that'll be great. Amazing. That is it. Done. Done, my friend. Oh, that's a lovely email. Really cool. Very nice. All right, then let's go into the fights then. Um, let's go to, uh, first of all, then I need to say that uh, I am a massive ass. I was really dismissive about UFC Glasgow. I even yawned when we started to talk about it and said it's not going to be much. 
I watched it, I watched the prelims, watched the main card, and I loved it. I thought it was a very strange and brutal night. What about you? Oh, it was, yeah, one of those surprise cards, isn't it? And this is, this is the beauty of, of uh, the UFC of MMA is that with boxing, usually when you look at a card, it's just the main fight you're interested in. And generally, that's the one that, that, that everyone cares about. With UFC cards, we might have dismissed this wrongly. We did dismiss this. Um, I think we were more upset that the, the UK isn't getting bigger cards. But the fighters that were on that card, they put in some amazing performances. There were some crazy finishes. Oh, there were word. some big upsets. Uh, there were some stunning fights, some stunning skills, and heart showing up there. Um, so yeah, it, it, again, I'll apologise to UFC Glasgow. Uh, but what, yeah, what what a card! And the prelims kicked it off amazingly. Yeah. This is the fight that really uh, got my blood boiling. Was uh, the Leslie Smith? Uh, fight. I thought she was immense. Absolutely. Wasn't she amazing? And also, Brian, what's she doing uh, on the prelims? Is that just because she started talking about there should be the union and they went, yeah, how about then you stay on the prelims and on Fight Pass? Because she should have been on well, the it, main card. It, she was brilliant. Without a doubt, she always brings it. She is the lady that is uh, given so much to the UFC as far as a fighter. You think about her ear exploding in the Jessica I fight. That's half her ear hanging off. She still wanted to carry on fighting there. She stepped up to fight Cyborg. The UFC gave her that in Brazil. Yeah. She got destroyed, but she was game enough to do it. Uh, she has been very vocal right from the start before a lot of people uh, she was involved in trying to get this fighters union going on. And I do feel it's something like something to do with that, that she's getting put right on the fight uh, early prelims, the fight pass prelims, not just any prelims but sent to Glasgow to go and do it to open the card uh, but she showed exactly why she's an exciting fighter she comes from that scrap pack team um, with uh, Gilbert Melendez in her corner uh, and she fights just like it she, I thought she, she was great like she, technically she was going to get beaten but she just kept coming and she broke Amanda Lima yeah she did that's exactly the right word especially when you consider the fight that they start off the main card was the two big chubsters uh, Justin Willis and James <laughs> Mulheron I mean, wow, wow, wow. This is the, this, this starts, you know what people think about people from Scotland, how they don't look after the diet, and this is the opening fight. I mean, I know they weren't both Scots as such, but do you know what I mean? That was two very, very large guys who enjoyed... Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you could have had that fight at any of the Eddie Stobart parking um, <laughs> facilities where two truckers get out and fight over the last sausage roll or something. Like yeah, that. it looked like it, 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 it was closing time at the KFC and they said, listen, guys, really awkward. There's, there's only one bucket of chicken left. I'm having it. I'm having it. All right, I'll fight you. Let's take our shirts off. No, please, put a shirt on. They should have kept their UFC shirts on for that one. You know, please, guys. But you know what? I, I I feel bad actually because there was a lot of um there were a lot of people taking the Mickey out of their uh, their upper body physiques. And I say, listen, yeah. if you've got titties like that, let the titties fly around the world. Free them titties. Hashtag free them titties. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we ever bump into these two, you know we're we're, we're knackered. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Well, the thing is, my, my wife walked in, right, and she went, oh, my word, what is this? Are they, are they like, won a competition? No, no. I mean, James oh, Mulherin, he's, he's a good fighter. You know, he, he was working on a, on a building site. He's a good dude. He is, and he's also, he's a really nice chap. I've spoken yeah. to him a couple of times, and he's uh, really, really cool. Like, totally looks like he's from Newcastle. Really got that Geordie sort of spirit. And uh, But actually, like they, they, they commented it a few times. He does move well. For quite a big for for quite a big bloke, but it's, for for that to be the first fight on the uh, on the card, especially when you look, you've got Robertson Nash that finished off the S F S yeah. prelims. I think uh, I think that would have been a better opener in my eyes, anyway. All right, let's let's talk about the one that people are still talking about, um, Santiago Ponzi Nibio. Let's call him Ponzi. Uh, looked like the real deal against Gunnar Nelson going into it as the uh, as the underdog. Um, and then, you know, it sparks out gun. It was quite a violent fight. But then we see all the stuff about the eye poke. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, I, I just caught that today. So basically, I, I caught up with the, uh, the the cards earlier on. And I, I watched that fight. I thought, really impressive. And then as I was uh, like sat on Facebook earlier on today, someone put that video up of the four eye pokes that lead into yeah. it. And what I will say, I, actually, eye pokes happen. This is something that is continuously going to happen. It's hard not to. With, with those gloves and, you know, they've got an open hand, they're pushing someone away or trying to find the range, especially early on in the yeah. fight. I, you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a horrible way 
to then being you can't see, and then you've got a big dude like that wailing on you, and you know, he, and he sparks him out. And, you know, fair play to Gunnar Nelson. He didn't bitch or moan. He even went to the post-fight press conference, which most fighters don't do after that. But he said, look, I should have said yeah. something. I didn't. That's on me. That's my fault. Uh, and and it's, it's hard because for, for Ponzi as well, he doesn't really quite get this stunning victory that it first appeared it, that it was. No, it's slightly taken away. And from, from my point of view, I think iPods, what they're trying to do with iPods now, with the new rules where there's actually a, a foul to keep your hands extended if the referee's warned you, I think that's a good thing. And I think one one accident on iPoke is bad, but four within that space, yeah. amount of time, the, the fighter has got to take responsibility for where his fingers are. If you are throwing a punch, you have to throw it with a closed fist because we've seen with Michael Bisping, he has lost an eye to this sport. Yep. Uh, that isn't through an eye poke, but, but the, this is, it is devastating within a fight and long-term it can be even more damaging, especially for uh, uh, somebody trying to pursue a career in, in this. So I think he's just he's got to take some responsibility for that. It has taken some shine off what was a, a great finish, but um, I, I'm a bit gutted to see that that happened to, to Gunnar. Yeah, I am. Um, let's talk about the other fight that people still talk about. Like I said, it was actually quite a controversial night. Joanne Calderwood and uh, Cynthia Calvillo. Um, I, uh, it was a strange fight to watch at times. And obviously she got the, the win because first and third round, she got the takedown and almost submitted her as well. Um, and obviously Joanne was really upset with the decision at the end. But I, I thought Calvillo is getting a lot of, uh, you know, she's on Dana White's hype train. I think she's uh, she's amazing on the ground, but got a lot of work to do with her takedowns and, and striking. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think JoJo was was very disappointed with that. I think uh, uh, I think she's pretty disappointed with, with where she is in the UFC's eyes as well. I don't think she enjoys her weight class. I don't think she enjoys the lack of attention she sort of gets outside of when there's an event on. Uh, whereas you look across that cage and you've got Cynthia Cal- uh, Calvillo, and she is getting that hype. She is getting that love. So. Um, I can understand that from from all angles with JoJo. It was a tight fight. It was a close yeah. fight. JoJo got bloodied up. There were some beautiful moments between them in the cage where they're obviously enjoying themselves and they, and you can see... Sort of high-fiving and smiling so at well. each other. Yeah, I mean, I still and enjoyed the fight. Blood pouring down her face. <laughs> exactly. Really did enjoy the fight. And it's another one that shows exactly why uh, that is a co-main event or any female fight... Um, oh yeah, when you look at a card, it's good to see the UFC putting women's MMA up there alongside the main events. That's right. We, we were doing this way before the new Doctor Who. In fact, they've got the idea about putting a woman in the TARDIS from seeing the UFC. They got that from Cyborg. That idea. That's that's the UFC ideas. Doctor Who. Um, no, I tell you what. Another star for me um, was Paul Felder. Um, love this guy. So his dad dies a few days before his fight camp begins. He still goes to fight camp, lives in the gym at Rufus Sports, enters the octagon in Glasgow with his dad's ashes in a little uh, necklace oh. round his neck. And then Stevie Ray kind of knocked him out by the look of it twice. It was an incredibly violent short fight. But that knee and then later some of the, the most vicious elbows since John the Jones. Elbows. Incredible. Oh. Absolutely incredible. And when you hear the story behind it, I know with Stevie Ray was in his home yard, backyard and he was rising up after the back of the uh, uh, Ross Pearson win and getting all that hype. But when, when you see somebody, a man like Paul Felder, and from all the stuff I've heard from people in and around the sport, he's such a nice guy. He he's, came across uh, like that in the, in the interview afterwards, Brian. I don't know if you've seen it, but he yeah. did a very, very humble, grateful post-fight speech. And uh, he also is uh, part of the, in the announcing team as well on Dana's new Tuesday night show, uh, Contenders. Uh, Excellent. I, I, I was really impressed with him. I thought he, he looked really, really good, really exciting. Uh, do you know he used to be a Broadway actor? Yes. Yes, I know. I think he's like yeah, a classically he, trained he's, actor. I know, he's, uh, with, with a dance behind him and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I just, it's just one of those where you, you see the way he fights and you couldn't quite picture him, you know. Uh, getting his makeup run, ready to go sing a Broadway musical or something. But he's a, he's a nice guy, he's a badass, and he's got one hell of a voice from what I've heard as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, there was another another uh, incredibly violent fight and a stubborn one. Khalil Roundtree, what, against Paul Craig. Uh, just, uh, it was just an incredibly uh, exciting looking talent. Uh, Khalil Roundtree looked really, really explosive. I didn't like the bit where he just stood there, standing over um, the inert um, Paul Craig for a good 10 seconds. I thought that was a bit uh, unneeded, but still um, looked yeah. really exciting. 
Yeah, I, 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 I think that was unnecessary. Yeah. I think it was an impressive finish. He, he, he beat Paul Craig. Paul Craig didn't seem himself, to be quite honest. No, he fought a bad fight. fight. I don't know what was going on. Yeah, he thought that's exactly right. He thought he fought a bad fight, but uh, he got finished. Uh, Roundtree, it looked scary as hell. He looked oh really impressive. Yeah. Uh, but then hovering over him, it's just like there was something sinister about it. Like yep. he wants to be the first thing he sees when he comes to and he wakes <laughs> up. And, uh, but, but it's just a scary thought, isn't it? Like, yep. The thing nightmares are made of. But um, a, a really, really impressive finish. And uh, I just I want to see what 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 um, what Paul Craig's got next as well because I, I like him as a. Uh, uh, as a bloke and a fighter as well. So ho- hopefully he'll, he'll figure out whatever's going on there and, and get back on that horse and, and, and get back in the cage soon. Another um, moment, um, two words, Galore Buffando. Wowee, what a name. <laughs> it's like a Bond baddie. If he auditioned to be a Bond baddie, they go, actually, mate, you're too scary. It's actually too scary. Gal- yeah. Galore Buffando, meet Mr. Bond. Um yeah. I mean, that Charlie yeah, but, Ward, he sort of slammed yeah. him, just picked up, threw him at the mat, and then he was, like, kind of unconscious. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, when you're saying in a, in a cage where you, uh, across it you've got Charlie Ward, who is from a traveller's background, who has fought all of his life, uh, who was the, uh, yeah, he's Conor, Conor McGregor's main sparring partners, one of the scariest dudes I've ever met. Yeah. was at Bamba, he was supposed to fight on there, and his, his opponent pulled out, and I'm not surprised. Um, well, just intimidated. But when you're saying the scariest man in that cage is Galore Buffando, that says something about that man because he was he was so impressive. It wasn't just uh, like the finish wasn't just amazing. He was so exciting to watch. Yeah, that very. Style is going to be in. That kind yeah. of almost like taekwondo, you know, the crazy kicks. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's from London Shoot Fighters, so he trains out there. So you can see that sort of Michael Venom Page. Yep. The way he expresses himself in his strikes and his movement and all that stuff. But he's actually called, I don't know if you saw this, uh, I think he's actually called that move the bitch toss. So he finished him with <laughs> a bitch toss. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 do you know what? I, uh, I, I take it back. I think I really enjoyed UFC Glasgow. It had a lot of big upsets. I mean, for the Scots, I mean, virtually everyone got taken out. I think there's only one or two that, that, that all won. All but one, I think. Yeah, no, all but one. So I think it's uh, one and three they went. And But but for the Welsh, it was good. Uh, Brett Johns did well in the prelims. Very, very good against Morales. And then Marshman went yeah. to a war to beat, uh, to beat James. Yeah, so he did. The Welsh did very well. I tell you what, what, the Scottish crowds were amazing as well. Yeah, they were. Honestly, they were really, really good. And I hope the UFC does go back there um, again because uh, I, I thought it was a great night. Uh, I also to tell you who I think Brian is the is the best uh, ref in uh, in uh, UFC is Mark Goddard. I thought the way where he was positioned when Craig got slammed and was out, he moved in very quickly, and uh, obviously a couple of hammer fists still went in, but. Um, he wasn't the other side of the cage, and he and he, he leapt in very quickly. I think Mark Goddard deserves some uh, some uh, respect for what he does. I thought he's I, st- I think he's the best ref that the UFC got actually. Um, I, I rate him up there without a doubt. I think he's he's just aware. He's he's been a fighter himself as a black belt in jiu-jitsu, in uh, jiu-jitsu kickbox. He's MMA. He's an MMA as well before, uh, so he understands where he's got to be and when. And he he doesn't make the fight about him. He's, he's nearly invisible most of the time, and uh, I think that's a really good sign uh, of a good ref. And uh, there's not many fights that you look that he's refereed and you go, oh, he's let it go too long or let that submission stay on or, or anything like that. He's he's not wrapped in controversy. He's consistent, and he, he had a good game. If it was football, he had a good game on Saturday. But no, I think no, because you're talking about referees, and there are some football referees that uh, make themselves to be one of the stars on the pitch, and they get, and, and they... They're like they're the brand or something, and he's not about that. We should just talk about Bellator. Um, that was fight of the year so far, the two-round, ten-minute war, the third fight between Campos and uh, Brandon Gertz. Uh, shame it got stuck, uh, stopped with that huge cut, but that they, they came swinging for the fences. You know, it's like sometimes when two, uh, two fighters fight for the third time, it can go, it take a while to get going. They kind of nullify each other a bit. They know each other's tricks. They went out there swinging for the fences immediately. They were, they were stunning, and the fact it was a rubber match and there was no tentativeness, they just went straight back. It was as if it was round round four of the last fight. They just kept going for yeah. that one. And, uh, it was it was brutal. And the, the thing I loved is they they it was so and forth, and there was great technique and all that, and all that sort of stuff. But you could really tell that they knew this is the fight. This is the one that's going to mean I've got it over him. They could see that that is his adversary. Um, and the the the, uh, the shots they each took off each other would have knocked most other lightweight uh, easily out. But the, the the cut itself that was a vicious that was cut. Pretty good. When Mike, 
my wife even said, my wife said to me, she doesn't watch any of this, but you know when some images sort of bleed into, uh, and bleed, excuse the pun, but bleed into like the, the mainstream Facebook stuff, she said, somebody's got a hole in their head in, uh, in MMA. She said, why did you fight in MMA? What, what were you doing? Jesus. Um, but that's, that's, that, that car, it looked like a flux capacitor on the centre of his head, <laughs> head, didn't it? Yeah, he's going to have like a Harry Potter kind of mark there, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was an instant classic. It's, it's definitely contender for fight of the year so far for uh, Bellator. So before we talk about UFC Long Island, let's go through our heroes and villains of the last seven days. Who is your hero, Brian? My hero? Well, mate, this is a little a personal one. Uh, I got to witness the last fight of the cheesecake assassin, Danny Mitchell, on Saturday night up at uh, Cage Steel in Doncaster. Um, and he's, he's, that's where he started his career. Uh, he's went to the uh, through the, the regional ranks up through the, the national European into the UFC. He's got two twister finishes Did on he? his record, which is uh, which yeah, two twister finishes. He's got the most. I knew he, I knew he, I knew he had one, um, and he's a really funny character as well. He's a, he's, a, he's a good submission grappler too. It's a, he's sort of deceivingly technical. Like he, when you look mm. at him, he's, he's like he looks like he's just taking it. He's relaxed, having a joke and all that. His whole image, but but he's so technical. He's so dangerous. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he came back to finish off his career. He knew that his body basically was given. He gave a little speech at the end. His body's been telling him for a while that it, it's time to, to, to hang him up. So yeah, just feeling the warmth and the energy, and it was a long night, but when he came out, the crowd were on their feet for him. He got, got the finish, got it pretty quickly, but just to see that moment and to see the amount of fans he's got in that area, it, it was really nice. So, yeah, my, my hat's off to the Cheesecake Assassin. Yeah, same as you would say as well for another great warrior as well, uh, uh, up in Scotland, um, the uh, the send off that uh, couldn't get the win, but the send off for Neil Seary as well. Um, again, yeah. another amazing well, competitor. Well, yeah, sport. yeah, really classy guy. My hero of the week does come from UFC Glasgow. It's a guy who you often see in the background. Then he has to step in and put something out. And having been to a lot of UFC events, I'm always watching this guy as much as the fighters as well. It is Security Steve. Security Steve is an absolute legend. He's a man mountain of a geezer. And I say geezer because that's what he is. He's a London boy, yeah, he born is. and bred. And uh, uh, he's just, he's, he's always there. He actually, when Brad Pickett's hat got nicked uh, when he was making his walk, or, or, I think it was at the Sacramento fight, it might be there, or it might, uh, uh, he went into the stands and he retrieved the famous Brad Pickett trilby uh, by hand <laughs> off the person that had, had taken it. So uh, I, yeah. I, I can never get enough of him. My eyes are always on him. And when I took my wife to her first uh, UFC event, it was the one up in Manchester, Henderson versus uh, Bisping. You know, the one that was up on like three yeah. in the morning, four in the morning, actually it was, by the time it yeah. came out. And um, she kept going, who is that guy? And I went, that is Security Steve. And he's just, he's there in the background. And even that, with that Kevin Lee moment when they started and uh, Chiesa, when they teed off, he was straight in there. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, th- I, think, I think he's amazing. And uh, up in Glasgow, Joanne Calderwood's corner actually got into it, uh, almost got into it with some, I think people just had a bit too much to drink and were a bit upset by the result. And there was a bit of a, well, not quite a set two, but it came really close with one of her cornermen. Uh, I think it was Justin. And security Steve, for my eyewitnesses who were there, Settled it. That's what I heard. So I don't know. I don't know. But he just stopped it from getting. In. I, I just the guy deserves some respect and that security, Steve. We'll have to get him on the show one day. Oh, we will. And uh, do you think future UFC Hall of Famer? Um, he should be. I know they've just had it recently. He needs to be in there next year. Security, Steve. Excellent. I love that one, mate. Great shout. All right, villain of the week. My villain of the week actually is how much we're going to have to pay for the Mayweather McGregor fight. We always knew it was going to be pricey, but when you're here in America, it's going to be two tiers and over a hundred bucks. You start to think, what's it going to be here in the UK? Um, they haven't quite done the deal. That's the latest um, from uh, Showtime with uh, a UK, whether it's going to be Sky or whether it's going to be BT Sport or Eddie Hearn's uh, lot mob. Um, but it isn't. It doesn't look like it's going to be cheap. It could be. It could be. You know, uh, it could be seventy to eighty quid. I, I actually heard that if, it, if it's on Sky with a subscription uh, to the sports channels, it'll be eighty nine pounds without a subscription. One hundred and twenty nine pounds ninety nine. That's that's the rumours at the moment, and uh, I just think you know they're not going to do this. But I should. I think it should be when you go to a restaurant and you have a nice meal, you go. Well, do you know what? That's that's. I'll put ten fifteen quid down. They were really friendly, weren't they? I think we yeah. should watch the fight. Yeah. Then we will have a little whip round, <laughs> and you go. Do you know what? All right, I'll chuck in a tenner, Dave. What do you reckon? Yeah, that was a tenner. <laughs> 
We shouldn't be paying that money up front when you don't know how good it's going to be. I hope it's going to be great, but we don't know, do you? 100 quid on a, on a maybe. 100 quid, mate. 100 quid. 100, more than that. It's a lot of money, and they'll do that whole thing where you can get your mates around. I'm, I'm, I'm a stand-up comedian and a commentator, and I spend a lot of time on my own. I haven't got 10 mates that I can bring around. So it'll be just <laughs> me very, on my this own. This is very I'm, sad. <laughs> You, you'll come round though, won't you, Christian? I come round. Yeah, you, oh, I just think it's so Christian? much money. I hope Christian. these. I've got to, honestly. I'm very busy at the moment. Those dates don't work, Brian. Um, it's me. I'm watching it with security, Steve. <laughs> now I pay hundred quid to see him fight right. Mayweather. I pay a hundred pounds to see security, Steve, batter Mayweather. <laughs> go in the first round. <laughs> security, Steve against Mayweather. I'd pay that. He'd spark him out in the first first punch. And who's oh, your who's your villain absolutely. of the week? Apart from your Turkish hotel with an unworking landline. That's right. Well, I'm sticking with the uh, the Mayweather McGregor sort of theme. So my villain of the week is Jesse Vargas. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So Jesse Vargas is the one that did the interview and basically has uh, has put it amongst the pigeons that Conor McGregor has been KO'd, inspiring by Bradley Wheeler. Now this is uh, it might happen, it might not, it might just be a rumor. He's saying that boxing is is a small world and that they know this has happened and that Wheeler's been removed from the camp and all that. And there's, there's two, two sort of codes of ethics there. First of all, is that what happens in the gym stays in the gym. It is sparring, it is fighting. They are trying to train him up for a fight. They're not just going to be tickling him while he's in there. He probably will get injured. He probably will get... Well, do you know what? It, it, it's that. happened in... You know, it's happened. There are rumours of it happening in um, uh, in boxers getting knocked out all the time in sparring, and it's all kept quiet. It's like a code of conduct. Yeah. However, the latest, Brian, just you know, is Total. people are saying that it was a false rumour started by McGregor as a joke, um, and he's never even sparred with that guy. So the latest thing in sort of the last half an hour is that it's, it's just... Com- and I think we're going to get a lot of this, all these rumours that... Greg is terrible. I think you're going to have a lot of it over the next yeah. couple of weeks because well, there's, there's a huge appetite for stories off the back of the press conference and now it's suddenly gone quiet. They're going to be getting into their fight camps and so I think you're going to hear a lot of these kind of silly rumours. This won't be the first time you hear something like that's, this that's or, or McGregor's wet himself or can't wipe, wipe his own backside. You know, you'll hear a lot. <laughs> or his hotel room hasn't got a landline. You're going to hear a lot of these quite damaging rumours and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's what I mean. It's the code of conduct thing for me. I think, I think they take everything that we hear with a pinch of salt but I just think if he is Bradley Wheeler's friend then he shouldn't be saying it because he could have lost Bradley Wheeler some sparring. If Bradley Wheeler has never sparred in there anyway, he shouldn't be talking about it. Anyway, so Jesse Vargas for me, just, just fueling that fire. Uh, yeah, you can take a running jump. Okay, let's talk about this weekend then. Uh, before we've got the big uh, Jones Cormier uh, love action, um, it is UFC Fight Night Long Island. It's a, it's a spe- spectacular uh, fight. You've obviously got uh, Chris Weidman uh, fighting for his livelihood now in the UFC against uh, rising star Kelvin uh, Gastelum. Then you've got in the co-main uh, Dennis Bermudez taking on Darren Elkins. And then you've got uh, Patrick Cummins and uh, Gian Vellante. Three great fights. Stunning fights, and then Riviera Almeida as well, kicking off the main yeah. card. I think that's 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 the one to watch. That's the one that I think might steal the show. Yeah. But, uh, Weidman taking this as a fight which could potentially put him 0-4 in his last four, which would which uh, is unthinkable. Uh, it's not unlikely. With it is unthinkable. You saying that sentence, he's fighting for his livelihood in the UFC. You go back two years, and he's. Well, I still got the uh, the belt and all that sort of stuff. Wait, he, but he, he beat the unbeatable twice. Anderson Silva twice. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah. he was just on such a tear. He looked unstoppable. You know, a brilliant, brilliant, uh, you know, brilliant jiu-jitsu, great striker, really, really smart fighter. And then the last, like I said, the last yeah. couple of fights, he just has made these kind of, he's kind of mistakes. He obviously, Romero took him out with that horrifying knee. But just, do you remember against Rockhold, yeah. the sort of crazy sort of kick he did as well? You know, I, I just think... Oh, he threw that spinning heel kick and then just got... Put on the mat, and and that I think that's the fight that changed him. That yeah. beating that he took there, he he was a different fighter after that. But then he's he's not had a like a reset fight. It's always been top contenders. Well, really, or, this uh, is a really really yeah, tough uh, matchup, isn't it? Well, Gaston Gaston's proved Gaston should be at welterweight, but he yeah. proved he is a nightmare at middleweight. Look at what he did to Johnny Hendricks. Look at what he did to Uriah Hall. Look what he's done to a lot of people. And and from what I've heard from people that I, I know that know Gaston, that, that he's taken this one very seriously. He's been known to sort of maybe not train as hard as he could, or but he's he's coming in, and that that's a dangerous thought for me because he's got some of the best hands in the business. Very good. good hands. 
uh, and uh, and he's got knockout power. And Chris Weidman has been rocked and KO'd in his, his last uh, uh, all of his last three fights. So for me, I think this is just. I would have liked to see Weidman take a step down in competition, but the nature of his beast is that he, he would just want to keep taking on these contenders and keep believing. So it's a tough, tough fight. I actually, I'm going to, I actually pick uh, Gasserin to to win it. I think it's, it's do you know what, mate? I, I, I mentioned, that. I mentioned that way. It's hard to see past him, but it depends which Chris Weidman turns up. If it's the one that fought uh, years, a couple of years ago, and was on a tear, if it's that one who's 100% concentrating and not going to make silly kind of calls, then I think it's a tougher fight. But if it's the one of the last three or four fights and he's just now on this downward spiral um, and past his best or just not the same fighter and can't make the changes anymore, whether that's a mental thing, I don't know. But um, I, it, it's a tight fight. It's one I can't wait to see. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a great headline fight. And uh, for it to be in Long Island, to be in uh, Chris Weidman's backyard, they'll go off for that. With Delante on the card as well, that's that's a great fight. Him and Cummings, that's going to be a, uh, a barn burn. If Delante can keep uh, Cummings wrestling off him, I, I can see them swinging and him taking that one. And then Bermudez versus Elkins. Uh, Elkins has looked a totally different beast since yeah. he made, uh, made the move to uh, Team Alpha Male. What, one thing I do not appreciate on Darren Elkins is his new tattoo. You know, everyone seems to get chest tattoos and ab tattoos and he's literally just had the de- the damage written right across his chest and uh um it's just it's just like a really bad tattoo so uh uh but a good fight number 10 uh, in the world in Bermuda's yeah. 10 and, and elkins is 11 so great great fight yeah i mean the, the whole thing's there now i know we've got to let you go in a minute and uh, i'm going to be catching up with luke thomas before you go then we have now the audio from the press conference brian and i were at friday night at wembley um so this is brian and i Chatting to, we're trying to chat to Dana White. So first of all, I asked him a question uh, saying at the end of the week, you know, it's been a really exciting week. Will the fight be as exciting? And this is Dana's answer. I hope so. Listen, who in here can tell me the last time they saw Connor in a boring fight, you know? Um, and I think it's going to be the same in boxing. I, I think that you, you know how bad Connor wants this and, and how Connor will go in there and he will try to knock Floyd Mayweather out, whether it, you know, it's to his demise or, or whether he wins, he's going to go in there and fight. Because for me, at the end of the day, you know, all the build up for the Pacquiao Mayweather fight, you know, and that fight sucked. And I, and I think it was very damaging, not just to, you know, boxing, but the combat sports as a whole, especially, you know, when you talk about pay per view buys. And every time, believe me, I, I put on 42 events a year and I sweat every one of them, you know, because I'm always, I always want the show to be great. I want people to turn off the TV or leave the arena and go, all right, that was worth it, you know. But I have no control over that. But it's one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy. And uh, I just I just hope it's a good fight. Are you going to put money on Connor to win? <laughs> no. No, I'm not betting on this thing. Um, we we kind of have a policy, you know, that we don't bet on our own fights. Because if anything crazy ever happened, be like, this guy had $3 million on the fight. Of course this is the way it went. It's all fixed and it's all rigged. And you're way better off just not betting on the fight. Yeah, he's got millions really, though, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to give that away. And then there was... <laughs> so just to describe again what it's like, we're in this kind of... There's only about 30 different reporters there, and it's a bit of a bear pit. You know, you've got to get your question in loud. I'm kind of used to this being a Hall of Famer of radio. Brian, I'm taking under my wing. And it was brutal. How many times did you try... And you, all you got was... Da- Dana! Da- Dana! Dana! Have a listen back to this. We, we've had a little. Uh, we've had a play with this. This is try and play along. How many times did Brian just say Dana and they not get any further? This is amazing. You're way better off just not betting on the flight. The other thing that's been very impressive. Dana. 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 The other thing that's been very impressive is your intros. There you go. He's done it. Got the question in. Well done, Brian. Well done, buddy. You got the question away. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> but it was so frustrating. I, 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 was, I gave the... Da- uh, there's what, the, a couple of them. German, you you uh, couldn't even say Dana. There was a German guy who just kept talking over you. And oh, you got D, 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 yeah, D Dada, really Dad, Dane, Dane, Donna, <laughs> Donna International, anyone, me. someone, Dad, <laughs> Dad, they're not there. my question. Oh, okay, listen, buddy, we'll let you go back to uh, your Turkish uh, midweek uh, fighting. Yeah, right. Okay, Brian. Um, and uh, <laughs> have a good time out there. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll see you when you're back, buddy. Take care. See you when you're back. Take care. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yes. All right, now on the show, it is time to uh, get the weekly thoughts of uh, the world's youngest mixed martial arts fan. He genuinely is a 14-year-old kid. It's the Samster. We call him the real karate kid. Let's find out what's bugging him this week. Samster, real karate kid. Us. This is the Samster, the real karate kid. Wow, Mayweather McGregor. What a weird few days we've had. It's been hard work. Hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Floyd's on commission for how much he says yeah, yeah. But I don't really want to focus on Floyd. I want to focus on his bodyguards. Because obviously Conor doesn't have any bodyguards. Those men are like balloons in a muscle shirt. Those two men look like two big pork chops. Now the next big thing that stood out to me was the dress sense. Not only does Mayweather read like a child, he also dresses like a child. I'm a teenager and even I don't dress like that. He looked like he just walked out of a Jay-Z video. And for Connor's outfit, he looked like he just killed a polar bear for that jacket. Now the final thing I'd like to talk about was what Connor's dad and Floyd's dad came out and said. So, Conor's dad came out and said that he's not a racist, and Floyd's dad said that he's going to beat up Conor McGregor himself. Now, I don't think we need to worry about that. I want to see Floyd's dad, Conor's dad, go head-to-head. Bingo boards away. Get the OOP bus down, boys, and let's make this happen. Us! OK, um, there are so many great talkers um, and analysts in, uh, in MMA, and uh, I think if there was a Mount Rushmore of people who can really tell you what's going on in a fight... In a really insightful way. Of course, Joe Rogan's on that Mount Rushmore. And another guy for me uh, is, is, is this guy, and that's Luke Thomas. And uh, I reached out to him, and uh, he's, he's on the show. So welcome to the show, Luke Thomas. Well, that is quite an introduction. I hope I can live up to it. But uh, thank you very much for having me. No, no, I could say you're a genuine fight fan, and you're someone who can walk through why a fight is so interesting as well. Um, obviously, over the weekend, we've just had a fight card here in Europe, up in uh, Glasgow. Uh, who were the main winners for you up there? Who impressed you, Luke? Ooh, uh, I would say a couple of them. I thought Paul Felder's win, where he was hammering those elbows over the top, were pretty incredible. But the big one for me, and I had some people really bristled at this comparison because I don't think they – or maybe I didn't explain it well enough, but I thought Cynthia Calvillo, or Calvillo, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, was really a big standout for me. I thought that, yes, she has some work to do in her wrestling. Yes, she has obviously some work to do in her striking. But once she's on the mat, her style of speed grappling just really reminded me of Ronda Rousey. I'm not saying she's the next Ronda Rousey. I'm not saying their games are identical. But that ability to lord speed and smart decision-making in real time over her opponents so quickly, so thoroughly, was just really quite a joy to watch. Yeah, it was. You could see that that really was somewhere where she's, um, she's in complete control. She looked really fluid to me and just how she kept moving and transitioned. And I think another, what, 20 seconds at the end of that third and final round, she started to get that, that naked joke looked in pretty deep, didn't it? It really did. And in that first round, I, I don't know that she fully committed to the arm bar yeah. because she, what, she let it go once she heard the 10 second. Um, you know, clack, clack, clack noise. Yeah. So even there, you could have said she does something, but that, that was when the one, it was that arm bar. She was stuck underneath and she was able to spin Calderwood. So she got on top. I'm telling you, men or women, you see a lot of guys and, and ladies in MMA, they lose the plot in those kinds of scenarios yep. and then end up in bad scrambles. She controlled the entire thing. Yeah, no, I, I was really impressed with her on the ground. Like you say, the kind of the entries to take down and the striking needs a bit of work. But when she was on the uh, her ground game, I thought was uh, was really exciting. I, I want to see more of that. 
For sure. And I mean, there's other people who stood out as well. Unfortunately, you know, the main event, I think, ended with a little bit of, um, yeah. uh, you know, regrettable controversy. But there were strong performances up and down that card. It sucked that the Irish and the Scots couldn't perform a little closer to home. Uh, not all of them, of course, but most of them. But, uh, you know, that's MMA. It's unforgiving. Yeah, I thought it was a very violent and brutal night up in Glasgow. It was, it was a lot better, a hell of a lot better than I thought it was going to be, actually, the overall card and the prelims. Yeah, everyone's always like, ah, it's the card that you never pay attention to. That's always the best. That's really not true. I often think that's a promoter's way of getting you to watch their lesser product. <laughs> However, it was very much true in this context. I don't know what kind of ratings it did. I don't know um, how much enthusiasm there was beyond uh, the U.K. And, and, and that area of the world. But uh, if you watched, you got definitely a nice treat. Now, uh, after a couple of days, after uh, things have died down a bit from the crazy week last week, the circus train that was the uh, the world press tour of uh, May and uh, Mac, how do we feel a couple of days after it? What, what have we really learned from it other than, as we thought, McGregor is better at doing press conferences than Mayweather? Do you think we're any more or less hyped about the fight itself? Yeah, man, this is a tough one. Um, and I think partly your experience in London will help define it. I, I didn't go to all three stops. I went to merely the Brooklyn, New York stop. Wow. And so obviously I think that you, was... You, you had, the, you tough, know, that you had the tougher night, Luke. Yeah, it was it was not good. It was it was really bad, to be honest. Uh, but I can acknowledge that Toronto was magic, L.A. was good enough, and London was sort of a return to relative normalcy. So, um, look, here's what I think. Uh, you know, in watching how the media has reacted to this, legacy media appears to be quite disgusted. Some of that you could anticipate. Younger media, particularly MMA media, uh, less so than boxing, they appear to be all in on this. Uh, my general sense of things is that whatever one's opinion, whether what we saw was tawdry or uh, race-baiting or misogynistic or whatever terrible thing you want to say about it, um, there, were some good that, there was some good that came from it. Ultimately, though, um, it was made more visible. I think it's really the only thing that matters in the end, unless it goes completely terribly off the rails, which as bad as it was in Brooklyn, I don't think it did. And so my point being is even if you hated it or you really liked it, the ultimate objective of this tour was to raise awareness. It was to raise visibility because liking it or disliking it still serves the ultimate interest of visibility. And in that sense, I think it was a grand success. Yeah, when uh, when Dana came and spoke to us before the London um, press have actually started, there's about 30 journalists in this tiny little room. And uh, the first thing he said, he just went, can I just say, first of all, um, yeah, uh, Brooklyn was just, that was shit. That was really bad. And then the whole room kind of relaxed a bit like, all right, okay, he, he's dealt with the white elephant in the room. That wasn't that wasn't the best one. And uh, they needed a, a slightly more sane and more focused one. And I thought with the boxing room, I think it looks, it was a better end to the tour come off the back of Brooklyn. It really was. And the only thing that was bad about the London stop was McGregor's good when he's dialed up to 11, which is what I think you saw in Toronto yeah. and L.A. Yeah, he peaked he's there. He's not good when he's – yeah, yeah. He's not good when he's dialed up to 20. You know, so when you're coming out to uh, a, 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 a pink – oh, what was it? The, uh, the fur coat. He's got no shirt on. I mean, that's really when he just – it's just way too much. But then, you know, Floyd was terrible. I mean, not terrible in London. Floyd was Floyd in London, but – you know, I don't know what I don't want to police language too much because at the same time these guys are just going to punch each other in the face, and I'm 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 somewhat uh, sympathetic to that argument. At the same time, it's sort of regrettable that Floyd gets away with some of the bad things that he does. But um, it ended as soon as it needed to, uh, yeah. and because London was better than Brooklyn, it didn't end on quite the same sour note. But I think even you guys probably felt by the time they got there, I was ready for that to be over. I was really done. Four, four was just too much. Yeah, four was too much. I think three would have been enough. I think they needed to do one in Europe because I guess London was at least the closest-ish to Dublin. Um, and so I think it would have been noticeable by its absence, um, seeing as he, you know, he represents Ireland. But um, you, you know what I mean? As I think Toronto and L.A., I think it, they just needed three. Otherwise, there's only so much trash talking they can do. What else can they say? Right. I mean, this is... This is an absurd uh, task for them yeah. where you have giant crowds. Giant crowds means giant expectations. They want to see red meat. They want to have <laughs> the red meat thrown at them, right? This is what they want. No, absolutely. This is what they're there for. You're there, right? I mean, how do you – I mean, the tickets are free, but how do you have tickets for a press conference and then not expect a show? You know, it's, it's sort of wild. And, and I actually went to the Mayweather Canelo press tour. 
Um, and that was a big fight, too. That sold over 2 million pay-per-view buys. That's but no means a small fight. Yeah. One of the biggest ones ever, quite literally. And I remember they came to the Howard Theater here in Washington, D.C., and Canelo came out on the balcony of one side, and the crowd went wild. And Mayweather came out of the balcony on the other side, and the crowd went wild. And they faced off. All the various boxing luminaries said they're, you know, hey, we're going to win speech. And then they just went on to the next day. Right? That's easy to do. You can replicate that at scale. How do you replicate a two-man show where there's no coordination between the two men? It is, it is an absurd task. The fact that they got, you know, two good days, maybe three if you want to count London, is almost <laughs> borderline miraculous, to, to be quite honest. But I don't think that you can actually, to that point, replicate what these guys did at scale. But it was certainly something novel and different, I can say that. Yeah, and like you said, the key thing was it was the first time we've seen the two of them together. And you're right, it, it, it was, it was in, in this country, it was front-page news. And I think you start to also get this ridiculous sense. Just We all know, we've been saying, well, this is fight of the century. This is more an event than just a fight. And it, we have to see it like that as well. But you really start to get a sense of like, no, this really is, this is huge. Yeah, again, I can't speak to the reception in, in uh, the U.K. for this one, uh, but I certainly take your word for it. Here it's been – here it's, it's hard to explain how it's been here. Here it's been everywhere, which to my point speaks to that visibility argument. Yep. And at the same time, polarizing. Uh, you, you're really seeing – Same, same seeing, over here. Uh, you know, same over here. When I was yeah. in London, 99% of the crowd – there were 16,000 people at Wembley in London. 99% of them were McGregor fans. There were a couple of faithful Floyd ones – they obviously drowned out. So it was an MMA partisan crowd. They're guys there. Most of them will never get to be in the same room or watch him fight. So they went crazy for him. Um, so it was it was kind of, it was preaching to converted, if, if you know what I mean. But the boxing journalists were there, just think it's an absolute farce over here. They don't take it seriously. They, they, they don't think it's going to be a fair fight. They think it's a joke. Well, that, it's, it's best way here to the point where many of them aren't even covering it. Uh, in many of the tour stops, what you've noticed is that, yes, there's been some boxing media. Dan Raphael is probably the biggest boxing yeah. reporter out of ESPN. I saw him here in, uh, in, in Brooklyn. Uh, and there were a couple of other ones, but it is predominantly – so it's interesting. So in my position on the line when all the luminaries came down for the interviews, I was next to the NFL network. Um, I don't know why they were there, but here they are. And then on the other side of me was Inside Edition and TMZ, two gossip sites yep. that have really very little – relationship to sports at all um, and there was very little boxing media and so to me this may be a boxing fight and this may be a Mayweather promoted boxing tour or a press tour but it, they turned into McGregor and MMA pep rallies I don't know if you guys have pep rallies in the UK but we, we have them here where you know the football team is about to have a big um, a big uh, uh, game on Sunday the whole school gets together and everybody cheers them on that's what it was kind of like yeah it no was it, shocking, it was uh, to see that yeah. I mean, you got, you know, despite what we might think of him uh, personally and uh, uh, him, uh, you know, what is like Mayweather, the fact is he's a brilliant boxer. And, you know, suddenly you, you, you're, you're amongst 16,000 people who are booing and jeering him. Um, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of odd. And like you said, it was more like a roast at times. And everyone, there was an energy in the room that once it ended, people felt a bit frustrated, like, oh, what do we do now? They wanted, to, they wanted the fight to begin. It felt like it was all this kind of excitement, and then they went. That was it. It was, you know, the stage time really was 20 minutes, 25 minutes, um, and then it was over, and there's 16,000 people who are all, were all full of beer who kind of like, what do we do now? They suddenly realise what, what, what actually just happened. Yeah, see, the Brooklyn stuff was so different. It was so different. By the time uh, they got there, I mean, it was two hours late. It drained the crowd from energy. Yeah. And then McGregor, you know, and not only, I mean, whatever else you want to say about what McGregor and Floyd did, there was the sound system was so bad, you couldn't even understand a word they were saying. It was such, it was such an epic mess. So I didn't quite get that same feel out of New York. I think the feel I got, though, when the tour was over was, as I mentioned, God, I'm so glad this is over. And um, it's going to be a long six weeks before we get there. But I think now that the, the fervor is dying down, um, you know, I, I don't know that uh, people are quite as, uh, what's the word, saturated, fatigued with it all, at least here stateside.
I think the big talking point at the moment coming out is just how much this is going to cost us. I think that's the really big thing now. It's like they've been presented with a bill for last week. Like, if you now you, you're excited, but by the way, here's the check. They're just dropping the check. And uh, at the UK, we're still yet to find a, uh, where it's going to be shown, but it isn't going to be cheap. I think you're talking about what, 100 bucks, $120? Is that right, what I've seen in America? Yeah, $100 for, for HD. And uh, they're always like, well, it's 90 and then 100 <laughs> if you want HD. Yes, I'm sure people are going to be ordering this in standard <laughs> definition. Yeah, they want the full director's cut. They just want to know how, what's the cheapest option. I'll just take that. Yeah, right. I'm sure. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, no, they're they're going to charge a hundred, which you know was only ever done. That that was controversial news when Mayweather and Pacquiao did it, and they're going to repeat it. So they're going to get paid. I also I would like to hear some alternative commentary. I know obviously they've got the HBO team, which do a brilliant uh, job, you know, announcing uh, Marrow's doing it and uh, Paulie uh, and Jim as well. They're all great. Um, however, I'd still like to see an alternative commentary for the MMA fans, you know, with, with Joe Rogan and maybe Goldberg reunited for one last time. Yeah, they tried to get Joe Rogan, apparently. Do you know what said that this last week? But that I didn't know. I that. believe, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I, I, yeah, t- uh, uh, my understanding is that he has a booked uh, comedy right. show, actually, I believe, in my city of Washington, D.C., so um, he just can't get out of it. But to your point, you know, uh, they usually have like a one feed and then an international feed. Yeah. I would like to see not merely one feed, then the international feed, but even maybe a third commentary team that the viewers at home could get if they ordered it online. Just some kind of way to really cater the product to your needs because you're pulling from so much of a cross-section of fans. If the casual people who are just watching this want whatever the standard Showtime feed is, that's fine. But if you're an MMA fan, there should be some kind of an MMA-centric broadcast um, that I think would appeal to people. So we'll see what they do in the end. Showtime usually does actually, I think, a pretty good job with these kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, they do. But they've, they've got their work cut out for them. Okay, one uh, last question, because I know you've got to uh, you go off. If you got to pick a hero and villain over the last seven days in MMA, who would it be or what would it be? Huh. All right. Well, villain, much to my surprise, because I know McGregor fans are not going to want to hear this, but um, I've dealt with Steven Espinosa for years. Uh, could not be a nicer guy. Could not be, frankly, a more stand-up guy. Luke, I hear, this, be, I hear yeah. this from everybody. People saying, this is re- it's really actually unfair. He's not a villain. He's a good guy. He worked really hard to make this fight happen and to make the World Press Conference happen. He's been great dealing with Dana in the UFC and that he's a real fight fan. He's a good guy. He's not the weasel. He's not a weasel at all. Now, that's not to say they didn't make mistakes, maybe in L.A., but I talked to a lot of uh, guys who worked in production in Brooklyn, and they were saying they were still trying to figure out what's up and what's down and who was supposed to talk when. Uh, they may have cut McGregor's mic, but that wasn't a Steven Espinosa call. But that's that not him, is it? Running the mix? He's not running a mixing desk, is he? Precisely. And he gets labeled like this. And if you look at his Twitter timeline now and all their responses, he's getting murdered. And I feel really bad for him because I just don't feel like it's a fair criticism. You know, I really don't. So I guess he turned into a villain. If there's a hero out there, uh, you know what's interesting? Leonard Ellerby appears to be kind of the yeah. hero. Yeah. Even Conor McGregor himself was yes. like, that's a slick mf right there, you know? <laughs> um, Leonard Ellerby is a guy, it's kind of funny because of everyone in Mayweather's crew, that's the one MMA fans kind of gravitated to. Yeah. I think in part because he always says things like, hey, McGregor's got a great chance. You know, he says things that they want to hear, but at the same time, he's got a real positive attitude, and boxing fans actually hate Leonard Ellerby, <laughs> and MMA fans love him. It's another <laughs> weird fault line I never saw coming before this whole thing got started. Yeah, do you know what? It's like There's always been, in, in conversations I've got with boxing fans who just cannot get into UFC or, or MMA, there's a strange kind of rub-up, and now that the two groups, uh, I, you know, because I, I, I like both. I can appreciate, and I absolutely deeply love both forms. They're both fighting to me, and I love them both. However, you, you probably got friends like this, Luke, as well. And suddenly, because the two groups are being thrown together and some of the boxing fans kind of reluctantly, like, we don't want this fight. We don't even care about Mayweather anymore. It's kind of funny, the tension between the two factions now, isn't it? Well, this is the interesting part. If you're just an MMA fan, you know, there's real deep roots, shared roots, familial roots with jiu-jitsu. There's deep shared roots with American wrestling or, you know, global wrestling at this point. Yeah. And there's deep shared roots with kickboxing. Yeah. The boxing world is a rival. They are not the same world. They have not the same core. They have not the same constituency. And you are seeing them butt heads at basically every turn here. Sometimes it's working out. You're making new friends. A lot of times it's reinforcing old hard feelings. 
it's interesting, and I think it'll be even more interesting over the next couple of weeks in the build-up to the fight and whatever happens, you know, during the fight and then afterwards as well. But hey, listen, Luke, I've uh, I've loved chatting to you. Hopefully, we can get you back on the show over the next couple of weeks. Keep up the great work. I'm a big fan as well. Happy to come on, and I always enjoy talking to people from across the pond. So don't be a stranger. Now, if people are interested in finding out a bit more about your take on events, uh, where can they find you on on YouTube and Twitter? What's the best place, Luke? Uh, follow me on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Luke Thomas News. And then I'm on YouTube as well. Just search my name and MMA and I, I come right up. Okay, we'll share all that socially as well. Luke, thank you very much for chatting to us. Speak to you again soon. Thank you. All right, that's the show for us this week. Um, hopefully, Brian will be back from Turkey um, uh, next week. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, as always, I love getting your questions. If you've got a question for next week's show, email me oc at ultimatecouchfans.com. And as always, your rating and reviewing the show is really, really important to try and uh, launch this thing properly and to keep it going as well. I know it sounds like a pain in the backside. How can we bothered? You might have to click something three times, possibly even two. Is it really? Uh, is this really that important to you? Um, but please do that. Um, uh, it would mean a lot. And uh, we'll give away some prizes next week for your comments as well. Thank you very much for listening. Speak to Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Soon, Ultimate Couch fans. Ugh.